Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for being with us here today. I so appreciate you. So glad for every moment that we get to spend together to be the best version of ourselves, to share our insights with one another. I look forward to hearing back from you. You can do that always on your favorite social media by hashtagging Thriving Entrepreneur. Join in as part of the conversation. You can also make comments if you're listening at wehelpyouthrive.com. Uh, you know, it is a blog post style, so you can definitely comment, um, and we would love to have you as part of the conversation. Today, we are really talking about insights in life. We go through and we learn so much, and there are so many powerful things that we know and we do and we show up for and as in the world. And yet, often, we don't think about those and how powerful those insights are. Well, today, I really just want to focus in with three amazing authors about and share with you insights. Insights from their lives that will impact yours, help you see, understand, learn, and grow from the insights that they have that they're now sharing with the world. That's what we all can do. I mean, there's so much going on in the world these days, right? I mean, no matter what you believe in politically, no matter where you live, there is just a lot of stuff going on right now. And yet, there is so much opportunity for you to have insights into living, into life, into the things that others have been through that you don't have to go through yourself. Conversely, there are things that you've come through that you can help somebody else. Maybe you can show them, hey, don't step there, you'll fall off into a ditch. Instead, see that rock right there? That one's a firm, stable rock. And yes, this is a swamp that we're slogging through, but there's some firm footings, some soft places even to fall when necessary that are there for you as you go through that thing. And maybe even help them get out to the other side a little faster than sometimes we did as we were going through it. That is the power of our insights as we share who we are with the world and we make the difference that only we can make in this world by being ourselves, by just simply sharing us with the world, making the difference that only we can make, being the person that only we can be, and helping people while it's called today. That's all we need to do. I mean, yesterday's gone. We can't change it. We can apologize for things if we need to, but then we need to move on into tomorrow by maximizing today. Tomorrow may never get here. What if we spend all day today planning for a tomorrow that isn't? Rather than we really do the best we can today. And one of the most powerful ways we can do that is by sharing our insights with the world. The things that we've learned throughout our life thus far so that we can then take the next step in our own lives and hopefully in the sharing help somebody else take the next step in their life too. And when we do that, we can all live as a thriving entrepreneur. I want that for you. I hope you want that for you too. I'm looking forward to bringing these authors here to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to bring you these guests. We're going to hop into a quick commercial and then we're going to jump right into the first of our authors here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. You are not going away. 
author who's on a mission. Stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur. I really appreciate you being here. Let's start off with some inspiration, some insight from a person who has a lot to share and is excited to share her third now international best-selling book with you to help you find insights into living too. Join me in welcoming Zinab El-Gatit. Hey Zinab, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. So you have book three of your fun series as the truck drives by outside. (laughs) Um, It is called Rhapsody of Love, A Spiritual Journey from Rummy to Oneness with All. Tell us a little bit about, first, just about who you are as a person. Well, I am a retired uh, clinical psychologist and a life coach. Now, I since 1994, I've been converted my life to writing poetry, especially Sufi poetry, spiritual poetry. And I have, so far, I have at least nine books. Four of them are on iTunes and two on best-selling uh, on Amazon. Hopefully, this will be another bestseller. Perfect. So this book, Rhapsody of Love, um, what inspired this for you? What inspired it is the lockdown. When we were in lockdown, I joined the clubhouse. It's a wonderful social uh, media like Facebook and so on. But it's so nice because it really answered the, uh, the boredom that we were experiencing during lockdown. And what it is, it's a very interactive uh social media so you see pictures of people and you hear their voice but you don't see them so you could be sleeping you could be in your nightgown but you can still talk and so you develop relationships through that so i happen to have bumped into three beautiful rooms there one of them is called pause breathe and reflect uh, hosted by michael o'brien and uh, that was more for meditation And the second one was The Miracle Morning, which is uh, Harold uh, Hal Elrod uh, with his uh, The Miracle Morning books and movement. And it's talking about savers, which are things that you do in the morning. Like, you know, you you have silence, uh, you have uh, meditation, you have affirmations, uh, you have gratitude, you write, you journal. And you exercise. So if he found that if the most successful people did that early in the morning, and so they had a very comfortable and successful life. So, so that was one that really helped me develop my voice and talking in public and so on. Because before that, I was a little bit shy as a psychologist and a coach. So that helped. And then there are the third room, which was by Chris Delaney, and it was more deep emotional work and that has the meditation which is love intention vision and embodiment so all of them were really deep psychological and work which was very interesting there was another room also by the fathers of uh, 
the America, the African fathers in America, which was interesting, talking about Africa and the problems of Africa, our rooms on gratitude. It's just an, a wonderful social uh, media, and it's by invitation only. So that prompted me to sort of pay back the people who loved me and supported me and helped me a lot. I love that. So what is the intent of Rhapsody of Love? The intent is, first of all, uh, as I put in there, that the research shows that we change every day because there are almost 330 million cells that change in our bodies every day. So each one of us is entitled through to three and a half use every year. So multiply that by my age, so I have about 310 use. So you change so much that change is possible. And it happened to me during a meditation, I was feeling blocked. And uh, you know the joy that I experienced when I was 25 before marriage and all that, sort of disappeared during that meditation. And I regained my sense of humor, my laughter, my joyful self again. So, so it just shows you that in an instant you can change and change is possible. The other things I talked about are the strategies that helped me in my spiritual journey in Sufism. And what helped me were those six strategies, the strategies I talked about. And uh, they describe what you really have to take care of in your spiritual journey. Like, first thing is you have to have a clean heart to receive the spiritual messages you get from God or the universe or whatever. And you have to have gratitude. You have to put God as central in your life or the universe or whatever. And you have to remember the love and the influencers in your life because then you, I didn't realize I had met so many people like Helen Keller, like Dr. Martin, like, uh, you know, Virgin Mary. I had so many visions of Virgin Mary. Uh, having Rumi in my life was very, very important. Uh, the other thing is that you have to surrender. You have to let go and let God or the universe because you can't really control anything. You really don't. can on, only control very, very little. The rest, you just have to let it go and relax and just let things happen. Be in the moment. Don't think of the past. Don't think of the future. Just live in your moment now. That's the only thing. And of course, there are qualities that a seeker of inspiration and illumination needs to have. May all of the other things that are expected of us all but in particular, humility, that you can't be arrogant like Satan, you know, and he was too arrogant to bow to Adam and all that. You can't be arrogant. You have to be content with your lot in life. And you have to be giving in God's... We have, the more you give and the more you offer gratitude, the more you get. It's just a fact of life. And, you know, like someone like Tony Roberts were talking once about having only $19 in his pocket and he saw someone in need. He gave them to him. Next day, he received the 12,000 check from someone. He didn't owe them money or something. So that's the gist of the book. And I hope to, to do some um, challenges and explain to people more, either through a mastermind or some mini courses or something like that. I love that. Now, the book has six strategies in it. Um, yeah. And of course, they got to get the book to be able to learn all six of those. But pick and out your favorite one and tell us one of those strategies. Well, the one that I really think is fundamental and important is the cleansing of the heart. To cleanse your heart, you have to begin by forgiveness. You have to forgive everybody, even your enemies, because your enemies are your best teachers. You learn from your enemies more than you learn from your friends because everyone who meets us is on our path is a teacher. So cleansing the heart, you begin with forgiveness and self-love and self-compassion. You cannot love others if you don't love yourself. And I mean by love, not just love, but having an empathy for your suffering. Like we all have things that bother us. And if I love you and I don't empathize with your suffering, then that's not love. The love is to know 
Zizi has this problem, I feel for her, and it's usually your inner child that you have to empathize with. Like we all have an inner child inside. And I talked once about my son was playing the guitar, and I, at that time I must have been 50, and I all of a sudden I went to in a trance and I saw myself as a child, one year paralyzed in bed, and I saw my parents coming in from Europe, and I couldn't believe how uh, distressed, I mean, they were so distracted and in anguish. So for that moment, I felt for my little child there, the poor Zizi who was paralyzed from the head down, and I empathized with my parents. Before that, I had thought in my mind they didn't care, and we never discussed this at all until I was 50. Can you imagine? So when I had the strands, I found my forgiveness to them overflowed, and from that love for everything. My whole personality changed after this. I become more an embodiment of love for everybody. So, so you care for your inner child and you care for your body. I used to hate my body because after all, when I was limping, people were making fun of me. They were making me feel like I was, you know, I was actually physically abused also from the treatments and so on. So I didn't have a good concept of my body. I thought my body was interfering with me and was the evil that was destroying my life. But then when I matured a bit and understood things, I realized that I couldn't do anything without my body. And I started taking care of it and loving it and really loving myself. So I think the three critical things here are the forgiveness, the self-love, and taking care of that inner child, taking care of it. That's that's the main one, I think. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. So for somebody that wants to begin their spiritual journey today, what is step one? What do we do to just start out on that journey towards our oneness with all? That's the forgiveness. Okay. Absolutely. You have to start by making a list of the places, of the people, of the foods, everything you don't like in your life. And then you start maybe in the mirror, gradually every day you look in the mirror and say, I forgive you, Zizi, for disliking this. You forgive yourself for not liking these people first. And ask for forgiveness, even if these people were dead. You pretend they're in front of you and say, you know, dad, please forgive me, I didn't understand or mother or sister or friend or enemy and you pretend that you are there in front of you and you're asking them for forgiveness and if you're angry with someone so badly i suggest that you take a paper and pencil and start writing in the worst language possible that you don't want anybody to know and then after that you tear up the paper burn it and just get rid of it, throw it in the air and get rid of that anger and then start the forgiveness and ask for forgiveness. Hmm. Then after you forgive people, you will start loving yourself more. Hmm. That is so good. The book is called Rhapsody of Love, A Spiritual Journey from Rummy to Oneness with All. Um, it is available today for free on Amazon. Um, so if you want to get the ebook for free today, you can. I did just put the link in the uh, comments. Uh, it's also in the description. Um, Zineb, if somebody wants to go deeper with you, they want to be part of that mastermind or do coaching with you, um, how do they get in contact with you? Well, they can contact me on Instagram or on Facebook or on Messenger. They can DM me that uh, on Instagram or uh, Messenger would be the easiest thing. And I also have a, a website. I think I included it in the book. Do you know off the top of your head your website address? It's a, a dialogue with, with the beloved at gmail.com. Perfect. I love that. Well, Zineb, I really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Steve. Every single one of Zineb's books are so incredible, so inspiring. This is her third book. I encourage you to get all of them from Amazon. 
she really will help you see insights into the way that you respond to things, the way that your mind works. Um, she is a professional psychologist, but also then uses the beautiful, incredible poems that she writes to help you see life and love and promise and hope. And yeah, even in some cases, peace. It's really worth it to get all three of Zenab's books, and I hope that you will go to Amazon and get them so that you can use the insight that's in them to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take another quick commercial break, and then we will be back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. As we're looking at some insights that can help you be a better version of yourself. In the first segment, we, of course, were talking uh, with Zenab about our poetry and stuff like that. Now we want to move on to our next international best-selling author and learn some things that we can do that will transform our lives and our businesses to be more powerful, to show up better in the world, to make that impact that only we can make to do the things that only we can do, and yes, to share our insights with the people who will learn and grow and thrive from them. Let's listen to this next author. Join me in welcoming Rusty Galliard. Hey, Rusty, how are you doing today? Hey, Steve, I'm great. Happy to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about you um, and what you do in the world. Yeah, I am. A, so I'm a transformational coach, uh, and I've been that, I've been in this field for a couple of years. But before that, I had a 25 year successful career in business. I spent about half of that time working at Apple. I was a worldwide director of finance there. Went to Stanford Business School. So I had a very traditional kind of business oriented career, and left that a couple of years ago to become a coach, which has been wonderful. I love helping people achieve their goals in life. It's just been a real honor. Mm, that's awesome. That's a couple of really big companies too that you worked with. I mean, not like you've never heard of this company before. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I grew up in a family where my my dad worked at the same company for 35 years, and that was his model of success. That's what a successful career meant to him. Find a good company and stay there. When I told him I was leaving Apple, I had been there for about 13 years, and I told him I was leaving to become a coach. Uh, and he got, he got little tears in his eyes because it was such a deviation from what he thought was the right path. And then I talk about this in my book, because, uh, which is breaking the code, because in a way we've all been programmed about what does a good life look like? And that was the programming I got. I just inherited that belief about what is a good career. And it's to stay in your field, just to keep doing what it is that you've done. Find the good company and stick with it. And I was at Apple for 13 years and Apple's a great company and I had a good job and all of that. But uh, I eventually realized it's not what I wanted to be doing with my life. But to, I had to break through that whole pattern, that belief system around this is what success looks like in order to change directions. That's really tough to do, especially when you know what kind of an impact that has on parents that you 
love and respect <laughs> to go your own way anyway. <laughs> I know, you know, it's, and this is the great irony is of course our family loves us dearly and they want nothing but the best of us for us. They want nothing but the best for us, but they think about that through their lens of what is the best for us, not through our lens. Of course they can't, they don't know, they don't have our lens. But that's the, that's the great irony of it is, you know, if I had talked about this early on with my dad, he would have discouraged me from leaving Apple. And so I deliberately made a choice not to talk to him about it until I was clear that this was what I was going to do and, you know, on my timeline and all of that. Once I was solid in it, then I was easier to share with my family. So it's kind of a, it's a little bit of an irony that the people who are closest to us and who love us and support us the most often can be a source of resistance when it comes to us moving forward and making a change in life, just like you just observed and described. Mm, so true. And the book is called Breaking the Code, Stop Looking for Answers and Start Enjoying Life. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write the book. Oh, it's been, um, it's been a journey. <laughs> the, my inspiration really is that I was, for a long time, I was in this place of looking for answers. Uh, you know, but it was looking for answers inside of this paradigm that I was living from, which is this, you know, successful business person continue to be successful in my career, but it felt like something was missing. Like there was some element of meaning and purpose in my life that wasn't there, but I was looking for that inside of this existing paradigm and I couldn't find it. Like, how do I find another corporate job that has more meaning and purpose? or go work at a startup, or you know, even be a consultant. And none of those really satisfied my desire for more meaning. So breaking the code is about stepping outside of that paradigm. You've got to step out of your paradigm. And when you do that, all of a sudden, now becoming a coach was a possibility. It wasn't even possible for me when I was inside of that old paradigm. And so for me, right, the inspiration to write this book is I found this path out of this kind of breaking out of this set of rules of the way I thought life had to work and the way I had to work and go through life. And when I was able to break out of that uh, for myself, I wanted to share it with other people. So that's fundamentally what I do as a coach. And it's also the inspiration for this book, which is you don't have to follow the rules that were laid out for you. You know, so many A players, so many A students, people who've done well in school, who've done well in work, they've checked all the boxes, they do everything they're supposed to do, but then they don't feel totally satisfied. They still want a deeper sense of meaning and purpose, but don't know where to find that because they've done everything they were supposed to do. That's where this book comes in. And that's where the inspiration for the book came from. There are so many good nuggets of truth, things to learn from in the book. But uh, let me ask you my always unfair question, uh, which is your favorite child? No, not really. Uh, but what is your favorite part of the book? <laughs> wow, that's such a great question. Um, can I answer the whole thing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's kind of cheating, but sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's interesting. I was in a conversation with someone recently about, about the book who had just read it and he loved it. And he said, for him, what was most powerful was I lay out this process of how do you break the code? And I use the acronym C-O-D-E. And the C stands for confront. And it means you have to confront both the reality of your own life and your beliefs about what is possible. So the, the confronting the reality of your life means to look honestly at are there, any, are there some parts of your life that are not working the way you want them to work? where you're not as satisfied as you would like them to be. That could be your career, but it could also be your how much free time you have, the depth and quality of your relationships. It could be your health, it could be in any one of those areas, but you have to look honestly at what's not working in life. And that takes some courage because who really wants to open their eyes and say, yeah, that's just, that's not the way I wanna be living. It takes some courage to do that. So confronting those parts of your life that are not working the way you want, and then confronting your belief system around all the reasons why that's just the way it is. I don't have time. Well, that's what an important and high responsibility job means. It demands that kind of hours. Or, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I don't know how to have a different and better relationship. Whatever belief systems you have, you have to be willing to confront those and say, all right, well, I've believed that so far, but what if that doesn't have to govern my success going forward? So I think this idea of being confronting some aspect of your life and looking at it 
squarely and clearly and saying, is this really working for me? That's an important part of it. Absolutely. A really tough one too, because we have to be willing to be honest with ourselves as opposed to the lie that we typically tell ourselves or fall into in order to be able to work for 13 years at Apple and be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and in some respects, it's it can be hard to even see that lie. It's like the fish who doesn't know he's swimming in water, right? It's It's, you know, for me, as I described earlier, my whole view of a career was to work in a big corporation because that's what I grew up around. Of course, I saw people who worked at startups and consulting and that kind of thing. But I, you know, I, I, I dabbled a little bit in a, in a startup around business school, but then I just shifted back to working in a big company because I felt more comfortable there. It's what I was used to. And that's why I talk about requiring courage and it's, you know, it, we have to take ourselves on. We have to say, well, that's what I've always thought was normal, but what if that doesn't have to hold me back? What if there was another path? What if I could do something totally different and still be successful in the way I want to be successful? What might that look like? So being willing to embrace that possibility is, is huge. Yeah, for sure. What, um, let's talk a little bit about the fear because, you know, when you start really embracing all of these courageous things, you know, that fear rises up and it's like, no, don't do that. You know, I mean, I have a weekly or monthly paycheck and now I have a nothing. I mean, how do we embrace that fear? Yeah, it's, it's such an important part of the process because fear is normal. Everybody has that. I certainly had it when I went to become a coach, just like you said, I've got a regular paycheck and I'm walking away from that working at one of the biggest and best companies in the world and I'm leaving it. Uh, so the way you embrace the fear is to acknowledge the, to acknowledge it, first of all, to recognize that it's there, to recognize it's a part of the process. And then you have to decide, you have to decide what matters more to you. Is it this fear and stability or is it living the kind of life you want to live? Because fear is just the barrier between where you are and where you're going. It's just the, it's like the border. It's the border guard. And you have to get through the border out of the world that you've lived in into the world that you want to be moving into. And fear is the border guard. So it's part of the process. You have to acknowledge it. You have to expect it, but then don't let it determine your decision. That's what, that's the key part is you, you recognize it and acknowledge it, but say, I'm going to move forward anyway, because where I'm going matters to me. That makes so much sense. So, of course, people need to get the book. They absolutely have to get the book, and they can get it for free today. In fact, I'm going to put a link in our chat right now that will go out to people if they want to get the book. But um, for somebody just listening in and they want to take, you know, maybe that first little baby step, what's a first step a person can do to breaking the code in their own life? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I just want to emphasize again to get the book. Um, it is today is the first day that it's out and available on Amazon. And uh, as you know, Steve, I'm offering it for free. Um, so it's just for the first day and it's a gift. It's a gift to everyone out there who is exactly where I was, who wants to make a change in life. You have this desire for something more. You may not even know what it is or how to get there. I didn't, but I had somebody who walked me through a process just like what's written out in the book to help me create that, uh, that sense of possibility. So if you want a first step beyond getting the book, uh, that, which is a great first step, I would offer this one as a first step to, first of all, back to what we were talking about earlier is to confront that part of your life where you want something more meaningful or more purpose, more purpose in life. So acknowledge and just do a little assessment of your life, scan through it and say, where is my satisfaction meter? Not all the way up to 10. If it's, you know, if your satisfaction meters at seven or at six or even at eight, there's always room to go up a little bit. So where is there room to go up to the next level? So that's a good starting point. And then once you see that, once you see the opportunity, get curious with yourself. What might it look like to go from wherever you are, seven to 10, or maybe two to 10? That's fine. What might it look like to go, to go all the way up to a 10? And this part requires some imagination. 
because you know a lot of people will say, well, I don't know. I, if you had asked me seven or eight years ago and said, well, what kind of job do you want? My answer would have been, I don't know. And the, the thing that was blocking me from getting the idea in my head was the code, was my code, my beliefs about what is possible, the kind of life, the kind of career that I would have. So you have to get creative and say, hmm, I just wonder, I'm curious if money were not a constraint and what I've done in the past were not a constraint and what my friends thought or my family, what my family would think. What if none of those things held me back? What could I do? What kind of change? What would I love to have in my life that would move me all the way up to a 10 on the satisfaction meter? That I just feel like, oh man, my life would be fantastic if I had that. So get curious with yourself and set aside all the constraints and start to just wonder about what it might look like. That is the seed of progress. Mm, that's really, really good stuff. All right. So, um, and if somebody wants to go deeper with you than even the book, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, great question, Steve. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn is a great place. Um, I'm not on Facebook very often. You can find me on Facebook, but I'm not a, a regular there. So the best is to check me out on LinkedIn. Also, you can go to my website, rustygaylord.com. And, uh, and you can check me out there. It's got my contact info and reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to connect with you and support you in this journey. And don't forget to get the book, Breaking the Code. Stop looking for answers and start enjoying life. You can get it today for free on Amazon. The link is in both the description as well as the comments now. Rusty, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. That was great. Thanks, Steve. Another amazing book that you really do need to get a hold of. You need to understand how to really know the code and live in a way that is in alignment with who you are to be the best you that you can be. That's all any of us really can do as we share the insights with the world of who we are um, and we gain deeper insight into how we are, we can do more, do better, be more, be better, and really share our best with the world, really share ourselves with the world, to see the world change in a way even because of who we are and what we do. That's what our insights are for. They're not really for us. I mean, hopefully they do help you grow too, but really more than anything, they're here to be able to help you make that difference that you were put on this planet to make so that as you do so, you're living as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. So we've talked through some internal things, both poetically, life experience, as well as just some practical things you can do in your business. And now I want to turn us just a little bit. We're still talking about insights, but to help some people get insights into 
why do things that don't seem like they should fit into society, why do they work? Why do people do the things they do? Sometimes we're faced with questions that we just do not have the answers for. And I really appreciate the subject that this author took on um, and the way that he approaches it to help us really understand some things that some people just really do not understand why they happened. Join me in welcoming Cliff Oxford. Hey, Cliff, how are you doing today? Good afternoon. I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Okay, I'll give you the 30-second story. Um, I grew up in the Okefenokee Swamp and then went to college and then got on at UPS and left there in 1995. Uh, I left there as national IS manager, started a company and built it, sold it, went to Emory, didn't do too well there on the academic uh, faculty, but then I started the Oxford Center while I was there and grew that to about 550 companies in the portfolio. And what we did, we were a membership-based group that helped people um, build their companies and then sell their companies. Uh, so then after that, I've, I've written a couple of books, No Grow Exit, Lamb the Leaders, which is liberal arts majors in a business society working in the business world. And then I just released Redneck Reverie. And I sold my, I sold the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs to Forbes Books in 2018, where I had started the morning report and they carry that on to this day. That's pretty awesome. So your new book, um, you said it's called Redneck Reverie. Tell us a little bit about it. What's it about? Well, what a, it, it's about, you know, I grew up in the uh, Southern Georgia in the Okefenokee. And what it's about is basically how Trump, the Trump phenomenon was not that a bunch of crazy racist people elected him. Uh, I think, unfortunately, there, we have some of that element in all parts of society, but uh, the big thing was um, he ran a pretty good marketing campaign while everybody else was running a political campaign. And he had a 45 years that had already occurred that really helped him out. And so Redneck Reverie was, was basically answering the question, how could anybody ever vote for him? Now, it was not a pro-Trump book or an anti-Trump book. But I, I used the growing up there and how it was kind of country sunshine to where today it's community squalor. You know, the, the parts of the country is hollowed out. And that's what set him up to run a marketing campaign. So explain to us the difference between marketing yourself to be president and running an election campaign? That's an interesting question. Yeah, um, a political campaign was, uh, I give you, the, 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 many of the Republicans were saying, we have to uh, you know, be more open to um, all parts of society, Latinos, African-Americans, and they really were licking their you know, wounds after Obama beat Kerry. I should say beat, um, yeah, it was, you know, who did he, well, Romney. And so everybody was trying to expand the tent. That's a political campaign. A bigger tent was a, is a political campaign. A marketing campaign was he looked at, at it and said, look, there's 16 of us in here. I don't need to expand the tent. I really need to, I need to, I need a niche, not a tent. And so he went and really did things to cultivate that niche and actually collapse the tent. <laughs> but when you in a multi-race and it's not one versus one, uh, that's what got into the Republican primary. So, so just like McDonald's goes, they don't try to go after fine dining 
They don't try to go after fast cat. They go for fast food. In fact, every time McDonald's tries to expand the menu with gourmet items or salads, their sales go down. Uh, so even in political realm, having a niche and sticking to it and being more clear about who you're speaking to is really the most powerful way to reach people. Or is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying, especially in a 16 person race. Mm. Um, you know, I would say that even if there were eight people who started uh, and it was um, amazing that all the political consultants, politi the politicians and all couldn't have figured that out beforehand. I mean, Trump was the only one that really did. And he ran a, you know, a niche campaign, like uh, I'm running a marketing campaign. So what lessons can we learn? I mean, regardless of whether a person was for or not for Trump, what lessons can we learn that we could um, follow over and use in our own businesses? Um, you know, I think with Trump, you can learn, uh, you know, lean into what you do well. Don't try to um, uh, be, you know, don't chase shiny objects, lean into what you do well. I'll give you a good example here in Atlanta, the Waffle House. Are you, are you familiar with the Waffle House? Yes, I am. Okay. They're looking at serving beer. And I saw their founder, their chairman the other day, and I said, you know, why do you want to serve beer in the Waffle House? Well, sales are way down. I'm like, you know, stick with fast, greasy, cheap food and um, keep, make sure you keep that customer uh, and don't run off new customers. And that's what, if you think about the Republicans uh, before Trump, they were chasing off their current customers, trying to pursue new customers. So I, I would say lean into, lean into what you do well rather than chasing whole new uh, segments. Uh, when you get 100%, then maybe look at expanding it, 100% market share. Uh, the second thing is, even after you get the customer, you disrupt, let's say if you're disruptive and you get your vein of customers, one of the things we see is who can make that now run like a business. You have to you have to pivot from a disruptor to a business. And, um, you know, I was watching the documentary on Tower Records, Everything Must Pass. And he admitted, Russ Solomon, the founder admitted, you know, we never really pivoted in 30 years. We were always just disrupting. And then when the market shifted, uh, you know, they went from uh, the penthouse to the outhouse. So uh, that that's the things I think we can learn from Trump. The good, what he did uh, as far as getting elected, but probably afterwards, I think some of those suburban women abandoned him because he never totally transitioned into governing. You know, like running a COVID <laughs> pandemic. You got so you got to shift. You got to lean into what you do well, and then shift to being a a business person. So, with that in mind, who do you think it is, or where will um, who's going to be the inheritor of that phenomenon now that Trump's gone? Well, I wrote about that in the book um, "Redneck Reverie," uh, which, by the way, is available on Amazon. Um, and, you know, um, I don't, it's, it's not transferable, uh, it would be my answer. It's uh, all these people who think they're going to inherit that group uh, are sadly mistaken, sadly, sadly mistaken. So, uh, you know, of course, his son is kind of setting himself up for it. But I heard this morning um, from a very good source that Trump's already told his campaign people to file papers for to run for election 
to run for president. They're going to file, you know, the earliest they can file them is February. So, you know, he may keep, <laughs> Trump is never going to let that coalition go to somebody else. I would even be surprised if you let it go to Don Jr. Because um, here, here's, here's the, the lesson for us to learn from this. The worst company you can buy, if you're going to go out and buy a company, and uh, is a personality-driven company where it's totally personality-driven. And I can say that now because I've sold two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know both times uh, the people who bought them thought well you know this little entrepreneur has done this we can we our platform is much bigger we can do more but personality driven companies and that's what trump inc is politically trump inc politically is a personality driven uh niche so not transferable so if a person does have a personality-driven company, how can they change that up and make it so that it is really actually sellable or livable beyond them? It's a really good question. And I, I, you know, this is probably one of the biggest things we tackled in the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs. This was the, this was the hurdle because we had so many people who had been successful that had cash flowing companies, but now they got to go. And if you want to sell it, a smart buyer will pick up very quickly uh, that it's personality driven, unless you do a couple of things. Uh, but for the most part, they'll pick up on that. So the answer to that question is systems, systems, systems. You have to put systems in. Now, the first company I it was personality, but we got up to 550 people. So it was less so because we had to get the systems to get the 550 people. But the Oxford Center for Entrepreneurs, we never got more than 18 people because I just, I just didn't want to have the hassle of, of scaling it and systematizing it. Because uh, I, I know how much work, that, that's a lot of work, by the way. You know, I, I, somebody can say, yeah, you really need to put systems in and scale it. Yeah, that's, but that's a lot of work and a lot of execution risk. But if you really want to get beyond the personality driven, and, and many companies have, um, Bloomberg was a personality driven company the first few years. And, and that maybe that's the big pivot that these, you know, going, I talked about going from disrupting to a personality can disrupt but a personality can't govern and scale a company that takes systems. Uh, so um, the answer to your question, systematize it is, is the answer to a personality. And besides writing the books, do you um, then still work with people um, or is it just through your books that you help people out these days? No, I, I still, in fact, I signed on yesterday to a, a really pretty sizable M&A opportunity. Um, the company is highly profitable, blah, blah, blah. So that one, we'll, we'll, we're, we will create an auction for that one. And that one will be a lot of fun. It's not a lot of fun when you have to go out and beat the bushes. And, and I've done that, but I do a lot less of that now of beating the bushes and drumming up buyers. And um, so uh, I do a lot less of that, but the right opportunity, yes, I still do. And I, I've got about 12, I think 14 clients. They pay me a monthly fee just to have access to me. They call me <clears throat> 24 by seven um, when they need me. So I'm doing that. Um, and I've also got this think tank I'm doing. I got about 50 people in the think tank. Really what we're doing with the think tank is taking best of breed category leaders and really mapping out what is coming down the road. And um, we uh, uh, do that. And the, and the final thing is I put out a blog once or twice a week 
in light of what's coming. And so, yeah, I'm staying busy, but I kind of, you know, picking and choosing what I want to do and, and, and where I can add value um, is, where I, is where I want to be. Perfect. Well, the book is called The Redneck Reverie, The Rationale for the Trump Phenomenon. Um, you can, of course, get it on Amazon and all the other places you get books. Cliff, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Yeah, if anybody wants to email me to get the blog, it's just cliff at cliffco.com. Cliffco is C-L-I-F-F-C-O.com. Cliff at cliffco.com, okay? Perfect. I hope you have a great day. I thank you for having me, okay? I enjoyed it. Good, good questions, by the way. I so hope that from all three of these authors, you gain some insight. You gain some things that will help you with your life and your business, but that they also encouraged you to share the insights of what you know so far with the world. You may have a completely different perspective. The world is such a different place than it was last week or, uh, you know, like the interview that I just did that happened in early November of last year. Um, and it will continue to change. And you may be listening to this 10 years from now and be like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe that people were talking about those kind of things. And yet they give us an insight into where the world was at that moment, what we knew at that point, and helps us be able to potentially grow even further. Regardless of where we were then, we can be in an even better place now. We can grow with each day that we move through. And more importantly, we can share who we are with the world and make the difference that only you can make in this world. That's why we're here. It's for the people that we can and will impact that each of us is uniquely brilliant, was created for a purpose, the world needs you. You are important. You are amazing. You are incredible too. There is no one. Oh, there is no one like you. You can be anything. You can go anywhere. And as Dr. Seuss says in his book, Oh, the places you will go. With a head full of brains and a shoe full of feet, you never know the people that you'll meet. I encourage you to meet them powerfully. Make the difference that only you can make in the world. To live as a thriving entrepreneur right here in the place that you are. Sharing the insight of what you know thus far. And learning and growing from the people around you too. So that you can be all that you can be in everything that you say and in everything that you do. I'm so glad that we got to spend this time together. Thanks so much for showing out, showing up, and being here with us as we all strive to live as a thriving entrepreneur. Until we're together again next time, I hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You